Hello, hi, hey. I'm currently sitting on the floor of my bathroom in my apartment on Grand Street in Soho. This has become my home office. To continue painting the picture, my laptop is in my lap and I am running on about three hours of sleep. I had this idea to start recording some of the stories that me and the rest of the writers have been writing from quarantine. It's been almost two weeks since I've technically been in quarantine. I can probably count on one hand how many breaths of fresh air I've taken since quarantine started, which by the way is not me feeling bad for myself. I don't feel bad for myself. I don't know, the energy is changing. Not in a good way or a bad way, but if last week I felt incredibly chaotic, just like operating at a baseline level of panicked, this week I think I'm settling in or adjusting to living at home and not leaving home as a version of normal and obviously it's not great and maybe it would be if I didn't live in New York but you know Mallory our executive editor is publishing a story which is a list of things she misses things she will miss things she does not miss and things she looks forward to or something like that and one of the lines she has at the end or the concluding line really that she has at the end is New York is nothing without New Yorkers and it really hit me in the jugular when I read it because that's all I've been thinking is what the hell is the point of living here if you can't be among your neighbors and the extended families that you build with the restaurant owners under our buildings and the shop owners who permeate our streets and it's just a very bizarre and eerie time to live specifically in Soho, which feels probably more like a community, a, a cluster of community really than a lot of other neighborhoods, or at least the ones that I am familiar with and have lived in before. This period is reminding me of all sorts of backflashes in my life. It's reminding me of when I was trying to conceive and you know, feeling so vulnerable and completely unaware of how to share what I was going through because I didn't really know what I was feeling and how to share it. And the only thing that helped, the only release that felt cathartic was putting words on a page. And it's funny because I've gone back in time to read a lot of that writing. And now with the gift of hindsight and retrospect, I'm able to see all of the things that I couldn't say then, but which I was feeling um, and in some ways, it's really satisfying because they're also experiences that have been accomplished or worked through that have resulted in some significant outcome. Over the weekend, I wrote a story called In Pursuit of Stillness, a dispatch from day seven in quarantine. And it took me about five drafts to get where I finally landed. And the story was born out of a conversation that I had with A.B., my husband, on Friday night when we were eating dinner and I was drinking tequila and he was not. And we set out to play a game that we've been playing every week for the past month or so called Week High, Week Low. 
And when came time to express my weak low, I realized the low was that I didn't slow down. And as I was saying it, I started to tear up, which is usually the way that I know I really mean something or I've like connected with either a deep internal wound or some very, very true visceral experience that I haven't yet said out loud. This is the rest of the story. My high was the roll of cookie dough I picked up from my favorite coffee shop before they closed on Tuesday. My low could have been a laundry list. Oh my God, and by the way, about that cookie dough, I'm talking about the Cafe Maman cookie dough and not for nothing. Today I have already gone through probably three cookies worth of raw dough and I feel incredibly irresponsible because if I get salmonella, I'm gonna just have to fucking, you know, power through it. My low could have been a laundry list, but that would have defeated the purpose of the exercise. So I evaluated the events of the previous week. Memories marched by, starting with the present moment punctuated by the twinge of self-consciousness that has veiled every thought, every move, every decision I've made since quarantine started. What am I doing? Who wants to hear from me? Why am I sharing anything at all? When I read the news, I can almost feel myself shrinking into an insect so small, even I wonder whether I'd notice if someone accidentally stepped on me. But what is this sensation? The feeling that if I don't communicate, I'll erupt. Is it frivolous? Indulgent? Is it even helpful? What is it? I can't seem to get to the bottom of how I feel because every time I try, I'm interrupted by the musical sound of my kids' knuckles tapping on my door or the tender thumping of their feet, and it is so tender. It sounds like thump, 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 and it's followed by a good morning, mommy. It's really cute. But yeah, when my kids call, it's like I have to put on a mask. God, the irony. I forget whatever I'm thinking about and pretend it's two weeks ago. If I don't, they sense it. And when they sense it, they act out. And I know what they mean when they start to act out, when they refuse to eat or throw themselves on the ground or reject my pleas to build castles or read their favorite book. They're slowly losing confidence in what I promised all three of us would always be true. I am home and home will always be safe. I guess what I've not been clear about is how I define safe. For the purpose of right now, the definition is stability. And let me tell you, I do not feel stable. And this comes back to not knowing what I feel. Is that happening to you? I started 2020 revved up like one of those obnoxious cars with an extra loud engine. There were opportunities on the horizon that were so palpable I could hold them. I felt grounded in my shoes, so sure of who I am. I don't think I'm any less sure now, but grounded? I don't know. I feel mixed up. My hopes and expectations are jumbled together like white and colored separates swirling around the same washing machine. I'm just watching and praying the colors don't bleed into the whites. But maybe they need to bleed. What's the worst that happens? I lose my favorite shirt? Okay, so what? I'll find a new favorite shirt. Maybe not now, maybe not for another year or two. Maybe through the pursuit of finding a new one, I'll encounter plenty of others. And these shirts, the width of their collars and the lengths of their sleeves and the tapering of their waists will serve as, I don't know, conduits that bring me closer to finding that new favorite. I'm weighing the odds that I'll like the new short shirt more. So much so that I can't even remember the one that got ruined all that time ago. All of which is to say, I'm nervous as hell. I wake up every morning to the sound of an internal home alarm system. I doubt every thought that runs through my head. I know my husband is nervous too. He's been asking to talk when we wake up in the mornings and under regular circumstances, he prefers to limit soul excavating communication to the office hours of eight to 10 p.m. 
I don't know what the ripple effect of this virus is going to mean for any of us. I don't know who's safe and who's not. I don't know how I'm going to help and I don't know when it'll be over. But I do know one thing and it is constituted by my weak low. I need to slow down. Last week, I didn't slow down. Instead, I only sped up through a growing fog that got heavier as the days went on. I tried to jump higher off the ground instead of sitting closer to it. I let a series of knee-jerk reactions comprise the tableau of decisions I made. I didn't check in with my guts, and as every day passed, I got more frustrated. I think that's what happens when you speed up when you know you should slow down. So yeah, I'm trying to adjust. We're all trying to adjust. And the best I think I can do for now is to change my speed. That's it. Just promise to take my time. When I do, I can see that I'm trying to give stability to my kids, but that putting on what I've called a mask might actually derail the more important work of recognizing that I cannot protect them from the world. I can only give them the tools to first manage, then thrive in it. I can see the silver lining of a bunch of white laundry getting mixed up with color. I can see how all of this social distancing has made me distance from myself too. But I can't really let that happen. I need myself. We need ourselves. Yeah, I'm going to slow down. I think I have to. How are you? And that's the end. That's the end of the story. I'm still sitting on the marble bathroom floor. My husband is in the other room on a conference call. And my kids are running around the living room unattended. I'm not exactly sure what tomorrow is going to look like, but I'm pretty sure it won't be fundamentally different from today. I think we don't give enough credit to how how much of our lives our devices have co-opted. Maybe that maybe that's what week 2 of quarantine is teaching me or or not teaching me because I've known this, but at least showing me, revealing to me, is that we have given so much of our focus, energy, time, and hearts to these stupid fucking devices that even when we have nowhere to go, we can be made to feel like there is no time. (laughs) Think about that for a second. What? Signing off for now. Your pal, Leandra. I guess this is an informal welcome back to Monocycle.